Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Apply Medic Podcast. My name's Chris, I'm a medical student at Edinburgh Uni, the founder of Apply Medic and also the host of the Apply Medic Podcast. And so today I've got a very special guest with me. Her name is Lucy, her username on Instagram is medic.bird and she has created this Instagram account basically to document her life and lifestyle as a medical student in the UK. So, hi Lucy. Hiya, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you, yeah. Great. So, I'd like to start just by um, first asking you just to kind of introduce yourself, um, if you'd like, and just who you are and, and, and what you do. So, as you introduced me, um, my name's Lucy. I am a second year university um, student. I'm just studying medicine at Leeds. Um, I am also a healthcare assistant on the side in the holidays. So I work for an agency and I basically go into different care homes um, and help people out there. Um, Aside from that, I am currently revising for my USMLEs on top of medical school. Um, And yeah, that's about me in a nutshell, really. Very nice. We've certainly got a lot going on. Um, I can imagine (laughs) it's it's quite difficult actually to balance all that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... I, I find a way. I don't really know how, but I find a way. <laughs> Definitely. That's my story as well. <laughs> okay. So we'll we'll dive a little bit deeper into each of those things that you mentioned. Uh, but first, especially thinking about the, the prospective medical students that are listening to this, who are thinking of, of applying to medical school, could you maybe just give a, a brief kind of timeline of your journey into medical school and your experience through the the med school application process? Yeah um, so if you want to start right from the beginning I did my first bit of volunteering when I in about 2016 I started volunteering for my local Cubs group um, and I did bits of little bits of work experience and my biggest bit of work experience was um, in the summer of 2019 so the summer before I applied I Mm -hmm. went to Argentina for a month did a volunteer trip over there and I worked in a load of hospitals. Um, I think I did it through a company called Projects Abroad, but I think a lot of schools offer a similar type of thing. Okay. Um, and then when I applied, I applied to Leeds, Nottingham, BSMS and Kings um, in the October. Um, I had done the BMAT and the UCAT. So I did the UCAT in the summer and I did the early BMAT. Um, and then I heard back first from Kings, which I want to say was uh, about mid-November time, okay. um, had my interview end of November. And then the other three I heard back from in December, I want to say. Um, so I then had interviews for Nottingham and Brighton, both in December. Um, and I got my offer from Brighton on the day that I had my interview, actually, um, which I think was very fortunate. Um, and then my Leeds interview was my last one. That was uh, middle of January, same day that I had my Leeds interview. I got my offer from Kings, and then I got an offer from Nottingham. I think it was end of end of January, and an offer from Leeds early March. Um, and then obviously I was the COVID year, so I had all of my exams cancelled. Yep. Um, <laughs> I had I had a results day. Um, got my uh, got my offer from Leeds confirmed, and started in the September of twenty twenty. Wow. So that, I mean, first of all, congratulations. It's very impressive to, to get that many offers as well and, and you know, to get in on, on your first attempt. So it's, yeah, very, very well done there. Um, so I'd like to take it just a, a little bit further back with one of the, one of the uh, original points that you made just about your work experience. Um, was it in Argentina that, that you said you went? 
Yeah, so my main bit of work experience, yeah. Okay. Um, how was there. how was that experience? Because I've I've never done any, I, I never did any kind of work experience abroad. It was all they were all within UK um, hospitals, and but I've heard of a lot of people doing different types of work experience, going to hospitals elsewhere in the world. How how was that kind of experience for you? As um, what, what age were you at the time? I was seventeen. At yeah. The time. So how, how was it doing something like that at seventeen? Um, I mean, it was terrifying <laughs> to start with. Um, Argentina is very far away, so it was about five-hour time difference, and it took about sixteen hours to get um, to go on the plane there. It was very, it was very interesting seeing the difference. I think between the healthcare system in Argentina to the healthcare system here, and seeing um, kind of the difference, especially in the and how modern the technology is. It very much seemed that a lot of the most modern technology out there was technology that we acquired about 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and obviously they speak Spanish, so you ha- I had to be able to speak a decent <laughs> amount of Spanish at the time, um, which was quite interesting going into a hospital. And you can really see then a lot the nonverbal communication that goes on um, within hospitals and within healthcare teams, because when you can't really understand what they're saying, you need to really be paying attention to everything else that is being done in the healthcare setting. Yeah, definitely. And um, did you did you specifically learn Spanish for um, going on that trip, or did you do like Spanish uh, courses beforehand? Did you already know it? Yeah, so I did um, GCSE Spanish, and one of my sixth form subjects, I did the IB instead of A levels. Okay. Um, I don't really know why, but um, at the time I really wanted to do the IB, and so I did that, and I did Spanish as one of my subjects through there. So I had a fair bit of experience in it anyway, um, which I was quite relieved about because um, I definitely there were a lot of people who definitely struggled a lot more than I did if they had a level of Spanish that you know they hadn't really learned it before or they were still quite new to the language. Yeah. Okay. And was it a large group of you that, that went uh, yeah. on that placement trip? Um, yeah. So there were, in total, I want to say about 20 of us. So okay. we did, there were some people who were doing the medicine one like me, and there were other people mm-hmm. who were doing um, like a human human resources or something like that. Um, so there was only actually one other girl from the UK who came. Everyone else, um, we had someone from the Netherlands, um, someone from France, someone from Japan, but the majority of people were from America. Um, So it really was, it was seeing as well, you know, how everyone else reacted and seeing different people's experiences of the healthcare in their own countries, which was also really cool. Definitely. Do you think that that was was a worthwhile experience before going into medical school? Yeah, I mean, I would would say it definitely was. It is on the pricey side. I did pay for mine myself. I had worked for a lot of it because okay. um, my family don't really have the money to be able to afford a three grand trip for me to Argentina. So I'd say if you can't afford it, it's not a necessary thing. Like it's not going to be you do it and then you automatically get into medical school. <laughs> um, but um, it definitely was a beneficial thing for me to do. And I think the interviewers quite liked it as well. If I mentioned mm-hmm. it and you could see their ears perk up a bit. And um, yeah, so it's not not essential, but I would say definitely worthwhile. Definitely yeah, good experience to go on. Oh, it sounds like a great experience. And so, as well as Argentina, did you do any home-based placements in UK hospitals? Yeah, so I had uh, two days in my local hospital. Um, I was I had one day on respiratory and one day um, on endoscopy. Um, so that was again quite interesting, and I think that for me was a bit easier because. 
Um, some of the doctors I'd known already as my mum worked in the local hospital. Um, she was a secretary and so I got to, I managed to get my work experience through her. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I could speak the language, which was quite a big improvement um, on Argentina. And then I had a couple of days in GP um, as well which was, again, quite interesting and good to see more things in the UK that you perhaps wouldn't have really gotten to see um, if you hadn't been able to have that experience. Yeah, definitely. That's really good. <laughs> and so how how did you find the, the UCAT, first of all? Um, so the UCAT was a very interesting one for me. I had it, I did it about two days after I came back from Argentina Um, So I was still quite jet lagged um, and I was very, very tired, but I had revised a fair bit for it. I used Medify for the majority of my revision. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's been quite a common one. I think I've heard a lot of people use Medify. Yeah, I use Medify as well. Yeah, it's either that or I think at the time, I think the Medic Portal did it at the time. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, But yeah, and so I'd done bits of revision through Argentina and then the last couple of days before the UCAT when I was at home, I was just cramming out test after test after test. Um, And I came out of the exam and at least for my year, I think what a lot of people found is they ended up getting quite a bit better scores in the real thing than they got in their um, than they got in their Medify Mm -hmm. mocks. Um, so it was quite a relief. I was just happy to be done with it. I think everyone said it's a it's an awful exam for the time constraints and everything, <laughs> um, but um, worth it in the end, obviously. <laughs> Definitely. And so, what was the other entrance exam that you sat? I did the BMAT. So I BMAT. Did the BMAT. Yeah. Okay. So then, there's one thing that. So I just did UCAT uh, mm-hmm. when when I did uh, when I applied to medical school, mostly because. I wanted to be able to spend as much time on one thing as possible to try and increase my chances of getting a decent score. Yeah. But also get the whole concept of, well, you've got two chances then if you're doing, say, you can be my, of getting a decent score and then you can you can choose what med school you want to go into uh, after that. What were the reasons why you chose to do both of them instead of just concentrating on one and then picking the med school's selectively um to to suit that um I mean I kind of I chose to do the BMAT because I looked at a lot of universities before I did the entrance exams and Leeds was always my favorite university from the second that I first looked at it it just seemed like it was the one that was best suited to me and I would have hypothetically just done the BMAT but you don't get your BMAT results until uh well I did early BMAT so I did it in all late August I didn't get mm-hmm. my results until mid-September which was after the UCAT would have finished yeah and I'm a very skeptical person of my own ability and so I didn't want to risk just doing the BMAT and then not getting a great score and there are much fewer universities that accept the BMAT anyway um mm-hmm. so I thought I'll do the UCAT make sure that I have a score for the UCAT so if all else fails I can still kind of rely on um rely on having two average-ish scores for both um and then if I got a good score in the BMAT then I could apply to Leeds and thankfully that is what ended happening uh, what ended up happening I just didn't want to narrow down my I didn't want to completely turn off Leeds and I also didn't want to just do BMAT ones because I only really liked Leeds and BSMS out of the BMAT ones that are available in the UK yeah, yeah. that makes sense and so how did you actually select the the medical schools that you wanted to apply to because one thing Certainly, I found it quite difficult to weigh up 
selecting medical schools that that I loved, you know, loved the location that they were in, loved the the way that they delivered the course, but then also weighing that up against, well, applying strategically and applying to the mm-hmm. places where you know you have the greatest chances of getting in. And I did find it quite difficult to to, to weigh both of those up. And in the end, you know, I, I, I picked a few places that I, I truly loved and then a, a few others that I thought, well, I would be happy with um, I, because... Um, you know the the ultimate goal is to get into medical school, mm-hmm. um, and and select those ones that I thought my chances were higher than actually getting in. How how did you actually go about selecting the med schools that that you went for? Um, so I knew anyway about the well at the time what was the three main types of medical schools, so either traditional, integrated, or PBL. I think there are more now, um, but I knew that I wanted to do an integrated type of course so that kind of narrowed it down to about 16 or 17 universities and from that I talked to my school my school actually recommended at the time um, that out of the four medical schools you should apply to one that is like a safe bet that you know you would be happy enough if you go there but you know that you're going to get in Um, one that is like your favorite one that's a kind of aspirational one and then the other two being ones that you think you could get into but you're not really sure but you still kind of like them um, so I kind of did that and I went through, I, I was very, very strategic about it. I went through every single medical school out of those 17 and I wrote down what the course structure was, what the grades that were required were, and if there was like a UCAT, if there was a cutoff or something, and then I could then like cut them off immediately if my UCAT wasn't good enough for them. Um, and then I looked through, um, I looked through, I looked online, I think I looked, I think I was on the student room quite a lot, looking at other students' reviews of them in the past. So looking at things like, you know, the area, what the hospitals are like, what the teaching's like, all that kind of thing. Um, And then I rate, I scored them each out of five. I did like a little, I made a little booklet out of it. I was very strategic, (laughs) Um, rated them all out of five. And then I kind of, I went and had a look around them and see like saw which ones felt best yeah because I found there were like a couple that I did really like on paper then I went around them and I was like oh not really sure Mm. um obviously I think that's quite difficult nowadays with you know not really knowing whether universities are having in-person open days or not um but yeah I think it was it was mainly just you try to get one that you know you're going to get into that you'd be like happy enough with one that you really really love and then a couple that a couple that you think you might get into but you don't really know um, and that's the way I kind of selected my four. Yeah, definitely. I think I love how, analyt- how analytical that is, <laughs> um, especially with the scoring um, for each med school. But I think it's it's necessary. You know, if there's mm. if there's one if there's one piece of advice that I can give to prospective medical students, then it's to choose so carefully the medical schools that you apply to, because they all assess you the application so differently whether it's mm-hmm. your academics or your work experience or your UCAT score or any other entrance exam um, usually there's cutoffs or there's certain aspects that they they allocate say more points to or or yeah. higher importance to for shortlisting for the interview and you know some people are really passionate about going to a particular place or being a particular city to study medicine but at least from my perspective I was very lucky to get into Edinburgh in the first place. And so I I got my top choice and I'm incredibly thankful for that. Um, but additionally, medicine is medicine at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. no matter what medical school you go to, ultimately, 
you're go, you're only going to be there for you know a, five or six years, and so in the context of your entire lifetime, it's really not that long. And oh, it's so difficult to get into medical school in the first place that I think you, that people shouldn't be too hung up on getting into the particular place that they want. Um, no. And ultimately, it's it's hedging your bets with which one are you most likely to get into. Um, you know, again, if if you then go is to just get into medicine instead of yeah. being in a particular place. So I think it's definitely about sitting down and actually thinking about where your priorities are yeah. um, in that context. I think as well, it's also important just to say that like league tables don't particularly matter in medicine. Yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of people who are kind of wanting to apply to Oxford and Cambridge for the sake of it being Oxford and Cambridge. Um, and it's, you know, a medical school is wherever you feel like you would be, you know, wh- wherever you're happy with and you can make anything like you medical school is what you make of it I find a lot of the times and it doesn't matter if you're like top of the league table or bottom of the league table everyone comes out with the same degree um and everyone comes out with all yeah all the same qualifications and all that exactly like no matter what if you want to become a a GP when you graduate Mm -hmm. or you want to go to you want to go into internal medicine or you want to become an ear, nose and throat surgeon at the end of the day it's about how you performed in your medical mm-hmm. school uh, and and the the different uh, things that you have to gain more points during the application process of applying to whatever specialty that you want to do so at the end of the day no one cares about the med school the particular med mm-hmm. school that you went to um it's 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 about how you performed and and do you have a portfolio that um, that actually makes you a competitive candidate to get into whatever specialty you want to, whether you're a GP or the surgeon. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely, I think you have to have you, you have to have a realistic perspective um, over what what really matters, especially in terms of career progression um, and you actually being a doctor once you graduate. Yeah, exactly. So, moving on from that, then I, I also wanted to kind of get you the experience um, about. You're the experience of the interview process itself, mm-hmm. um, because you had quite a few, and so I can imagine there were quite different experiences. Um, yeah. Could you maybe just like give like a brief overview of of, of how you experienced those interviews? Yeah. So um, my first interview, I think I went into it. I don't think I was massively prepared um, in retrospect, anyway. Um, and I think all of my interviews were MMI stations. So all of them were, I went in, you know, you talk to someone for about five minutes and then you move on to the next station. You get like a minute break between each station or something like that. And it kind of rotates around like speed dating for about an hour. Um, And yeah, so the first one was Kings. And um, that was, I want to say it was about 10 stations of five minutes each, which which isn't all that long um, to talk and to have, yeah, and to have a conversation with people. Um, and then I had Nottingham next and then I had Brighton like the day after Nottingham or something, which was very, very intense. Um, but I think the main thing that I found through all of my interviews is that it just goes by so quickly that you're sitting in the station before, you know, you're in the next station before, you know, it, you're at the end of it, um, as well. But I think you kind of realize, I kind of realized anyway, as I went through my interviews that, more than anything they don't really care about how much you know or whether you're already basically a qualified doctor they care more about who you actually are as a person and whether you're willing to learn whether you're willing to kind of own up to your mistakes you know realize where you have done well and where you haven't necessarily done well 
um, and realize that you're kind of a nice person and you're going to be and you're going to stay a nice person and like caring and compassionate throughout the career. Um, yeah, I think I found I found them all right. I think a lot of people find that the interviews themselves are a lot less daunting when you're actually in them than they seem before you go into them. Um, but yeah, how were your interviews? Yeah, but my interviews were, were okay. I think the the big difference with me is that I went into medicine as a postgraduate, so mm-hmm. uh, I you know was I, I was quite I, I, I was quite a few years older than than the rest of well, than the majority of the cohort who were going into in the interviews with me um, who were school mm-hmm. leavers, you know, uh, seventeen, eighteen, or yeah. whatever. So I yeah I had two interviews. I had an interview at Edinburgh and an interview at Aberdeen. The interview at Aberdeen was an MMI and that was uh, with the the school leaver cohort so you know I, I was in with everyone else in in the MMI and so yeah I, I thought that yeah it was it was fine it, it is quite it is quite daunting and quite I don't know it, it, it just it can get to you if you're not mentally prepared for the MMIs and that um, it's so quick going from station to station and having to completely forget what came before and 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 then just completely reassimilate into whatever the next station is and and just shift your mind even if something really bad came uh, the station before and you're still thinking about that and ruminating mm-hmm. about that um so you definitely do have to kind of train yourself to get into a specific tra- frame of mind just to forget whatever came before and just focus on whatever's coming next um yeah and so that that one was okay and then for the edinburgh interview that was a bit different because that was a postgrad specific interview. Um, mm. So they only had like three stations uh, for us, um, one like kind of role play station, one ethics and one kind of personal station, tell us about yourself, that kind of thing. Um, so that was quite a bit different from anything else that, uh, well, that I know of uh, from other medical schools and their interviewing style. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought that one was quite good as well. So would you have done anything differently? Do you have any kind of top tips for any prospective medical students who are, um, I'd imagine at the moment right now, actually, um, probably they they have interviews lined up for for just after Christmas? Yeah. um, I mean, one of the things I did do that I was quite happy with is that I was very over, I was, for the rest of my interviews, with the exception of King's, I was very over-prepared for my interviews. And I would say it's definitely a better thing to go in over prepared because nine times out of 10, you're not going to use all the stuff that you've researched. You know, you look if you look up all about all of the different ethical cases that have gone on in the NHS and everything about the university, chances are you're probably not going to need to say it. But it gives you this air of confidence if you know that if a question comes up, that you do know how to answer it. Um, and I think for me anyway, the confidence I had in my own knowledge kind of helped to carry me through my last three interviews. Um, so I'd say definitely just try and prepare as much as you can, even if it's even if it doesn't seem necessary. It just helps you with your frame of mind through the interview. Um, I would say, oh, things that I wish I'd done differently. I think I wish I I wish I'd talked to people, talked to all the other candidates before and after my interview. I think there was only one interview where I actually like properly talked to someone. Um, before and after and I think it does help so much because you realize that everyone else who's there looking all smart you think everyone else knows so much more than you do and you start talking to someone you realize everyone's in the same boat everyone has no idea what's going on (laughs) and is absolutely (laughs) terrified so definitely talk to anyone you can have a conversation and 
I know there are people in my year now who had their interview together and are really good friends because they became friends after doing their interview together. That's really nice. Yeah, I think it really can help, yeah. Definitely. I think I was I was quite bad for that. I, I was absolutely fine after the interview was done. Uh, I would I could chat to anyone, but before mm-hmm. the interview, I was very focused. You know, just mm-hmm. like a kind of tunnel vision. You can't you just pay no attention to anything around you because you're so focused on on just the interview itself. You know, and and staying in that mindset. Um, but yeah, I think it, it definitely is good to to chat to other people because then you can get out of your own head, and then you realise mm-hmm. that everyone else is in the same boat. Everyone else is really nervous. No one knows what's going to happen, what the station's going to be like, how they're going to perform. So everyone's just as um, unsure as everyone else. Yeah. And and it's, it's it's really good to keep that in mind, actually. Yeah, makes everyone else a bit more human as well. Exactly. <laughs> so you you did the interviews and, mm-hmm. and you're now at Leeds Med mm-hmm. School. And uh, what year are you in again, sorry? Was it uh, second year? Two. Yeah. Second year. Okay, so how's med school been for you so far? Um, mostly online, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started in September of 20, 2020, um, we were basically told that until Christmas was going to be online and then it got to about November and we were told that from January through to year two would be online as well. Um, and so I think that was quite an interesting experience because it feels like you're learning so much theory, but even like our placements for online calls with GPs. Um, and I think it's quite difficult to then have the application part. And it's also very, very easy to lose focus and motivation and concentration when you're at an online lecture. Because in an in-person lecture, I'm assuming anyway, in an in-person lecture, you're not going to go on your phone because there's going to be someone down the bottom of the lecture theatre looking at you. Um, but in an online lecture, you know, you don't really have to worry. So you can put the lecture on, like go tidy your room or put the lecture on and go have a nap or go on your phone or something like that and Mm. I think a lot of people have struggled quite a lot with that but second year um, we have had more things in person which has been really good we've got to go into the dissection rooms and do all of our anatomy actually in person Um, we've had a couple of um, we've had some small group teaching in person as well which has been fantastic because I think you just you learn so much more when you're actually with a group of people who are really engaged and you get to be a bit more hands-on um so I have really enjoyed second year so far we'll see what happens after Christmas um and but yeah we're starting more placements as well anyway after Christmas so it should be a lot more of the application part of it which I think is what everyone looks forward to really with medical school definitely definitely yeah. um so did you mention did you say that all of your placements so far there's just been uh telephone consultations at, at GP so in first year it was yeah in second okay. year I had um five weeks of placement it was just one day a week um right. at one of the hospitals in Bradford um okay. and that was kind of we did teaching in the morning and then we were on the wards in the afternoon and then mm. we switched around so some people did like wards in the morning and then teaching in the afternoon okay. um so it's only just been five things so far much less than what you have <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um especially during in medicine during lockdown because I, I was in I was starting the clinical years um kind of during the the, the height of lockdown mm-hmm. um we were on we were on the wards at least in in our fourth year last year we were doing alternate weeks so one week online learning one week mm-hmm. on placement and for the entire year and I just thought 
I just felt very lucky as a medical student actually having still being able to have that that face-to-face human interaction you know on a daily basis um but then still just you know relaxing a bit more on the the weeks off when we had only online teaching um so I, I did feel really lucky especially when you compare yourself to to the well, the, the fully preclinical medical students and all the other uni students that are there um, who are just doing all online learning. And I suppose it, it it does depend on your learning style and how much self-discipline that you have when you're on your own to keep to a specific schedule and make sure that you get work done. So it's very it's it's very individual dependent. Yeah. Um, how that you know you'd experience of that kind of situation um but yeah i can imagine that that it is quite difficult do you have any um comments or like top tips for incoming medical students uh that say get an offer this year and are coming in next year because i can imagine that online teaching will probably still be a thing next year next mm-hmm. academic year uh, and it, you know especially with things kind of heating up at the moment with the, the Omicron variant and um, just you know everyone being a little bit scared of, of another poss- like possible lockdown um, I can imagine that, that this kind of thing might be going on for quite a while and so people might have a similar kind of experience still to what you had when you first went into medical school do you, do you have any kind of comments or, or top tips on how, how to kind of deal with with that kind of environment first going into uni? Yeah so well I know as you're saying, Leeds, I know, is doing a hybrid approach. I think, I don't think they have an end point to it yet. Um, so kind of half online, half in person. Um, I think the main thing that I found is that you are scheduled in time for lectures and you might get some lectures that are pre-recorded um, and some lectures that are kind of live. I think the most important thing is use the time that you are actually physically given. Because if you then take it into your own time, if you say, oh, I want to do this other thing when this lecture is scheduled, then you get you get behind so quickly mm-hmm. um, and it's so difficult to then catch up. And I think as well, one of the one of the things that I found anyway, um, I started my work as a healthcare assistant in January last year. So kind of part of the way through first year. And for me personally, I have found that has been incredible because you actually get to see if you're not in placements in person, especially in first year when you don't really have that many placements anyway. Um, you get to see things and you get to even just like hear the names of different medications that are called out. You get to see different manifestations of different um, of different diseases and things like that. And I think it does really help to get that kind of medical side in there. So it, you kind of remember what you're actually studying for. Definitely. It can seem very, very like constantly ongoing. That It just seems like lecture after lecture after lecture and you can't really apply any of it. Um, and so if you can get some kind of like work or some volunteering, even if it's just once a week in somewhere with people who are requiring the help that one day in the future you'll be able to give them, it does give you such better perspective and it doesn't help motivate you so much um, to continue on the all online stuff. Yeah, um, I get I get really excited whenever any sort of healthcare student mentions that they they work in some other kind of healthcare related field part time and aside because I work as a I, I work in the weekends as a, a porter in one of the local hospitals uh, in yeah. in Edinburgh and so and I, I've been I've been doing that for quite a while now and I just think that it's incredible because especially mm-hmm. especially when you're in the earlier years of med school. Um, where you're not on the wards all the time because mm-hmm. once you actually start 
say like a part-time job, especially one that's in healthcare, whether it's a care home or the hospital, whatever that is, um, in that kind of role, you you then figure out that work life and the way that you conduct yourself and just the way that you think, everything is completely different when you're properly actually working and, and doing shifts. And so getting used to that and getting used to interacting with people in that way early mm-hmm. on is so useful because I found that when I actually started hospital placement in med school properly um i was able to just kind of assimilate into that life a lot more mm-hmm. um especially working shifts you know doing nine to fives or, or 12 hour shifts or whatever and um, i just kind of slid straight into it instead yeah. of, and you know there was no kind of i i didn't have to kind of like prepare myself or anything like that because i was already used to doing those that kind of shift work and so it just makes life a lot easier i find and also just chatting to people that you wouldn't otherwise chat to or interact mm. with on um, on a kind of long-term basis or or um, chat to as often um, if you were just working on awards as a medical student. Yeah. And so, yeah, I feel like working as a HCA, Porter, um, uh, whatever it is, um, whether it's in a hospital or the care home, it's it's, it's just really good experience and, and possibly probably the earlier in med school that you do it and actually get the training and balance in that time mm-hmm. to, to make sure um, and... Uh, to make sure that you can you can balance the two effectively is actually really good as well yeah I would agree yeah so uh sorry were you going to say something no no okay Uh, so moving on to the the last thing that I wanted to chat about uh, is USMLE for a lot of the prospective medical students um that are applying right now I can imagine that not a lot of them will know what USMLE is. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we talk about youth experiences with USMLE so far, um, could you maybe give a, a brief description of, of what the USMLE is for, for anyone that doesn't know? Yeah, so the USMLEs are a set of three exams um, and you basically have to take at least two, preferentially three of them, Um if you want to transfer over to the States um, because the UK medical degree isn't really, it is applicable. You can still use it in the States, but you need all of their licensing exams just to make sure that, so they can make sure that your standard of knowledge is up to date with their standard of knowledge as everywhere has a slightly different, you know, medical system, everywhere has slightly different rules and regulations and they want to make sure that you'll be able to assimilate um, well into their system so all of the US graduates have to take it as well it's not just UK people mm-hmm. um, and you they the first one is kind of an in-person um, in-person sit down standard exam it's about seven hours long um, seven eight hours long it's a long exam um, the second one is um, more of a if I remember rightly it's more of a like physical one you know kind of like an OSCE type thing um, and the third one I think think again is a I think it's a spoken one I think like a kind of interview type thing but Mm -hmm. I may be wrong with that um I haven't looked massively into step two or step three yet but step three is is either a written one or it's a spoken one it just doesn't use clinical skills (laughs) what I mainly remember from it that's fine perfect so uh just to to make sure I'm right with this USMLE stands for United States Medical Licensing Exam is Mm -hmm. that right Yeah. yeah okay so it's so it's basically the exam that if you're an international student out with the the US uh, then and you've graduated from medical school 
but yeah. I, I think not necessarily you don't have to you have to be in medical school but you don't yeah. have you, you don't have to have graduated before you can start on the the USMLE process so yes. you can set some of the exams while you're already in med school in the UK is that right yeah yeah okay. um and so that's only US specific and if, mm-hmm. am I right in saying that there's so that other countries like say uh, Australia and New Zealand I think they they recognise the the UK medical degree um, as I, I suppose like the same kind of standard that they would recognise yeah. their own as, and so you don't actually have to sit any kind of specific exam to say practice as a doctor um, in Australia, New Zealand, for instance. But there are just certain places um, where um, they they need you to to sit another medical licensing exam um, yeah. to make sure that you're kind of competent enough to to work in the US, for instance. Yeah, that's yeah. basically it. I don't think there are many countries that require all the extra exams. Um, but yeah, the, US, the United States, the USMLEs are probably the most um, well-known and probably the most common ones for yeah, medical students definitely. to do when graduating from the UK. Yeah. I think notoriously complex as well with, with the number of steps and just how much work, <laughs> I've heard how much work is required for, for USMLE. Um, and yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to it. So what... Is it because I've I've heard so just to give some background I suppose so when I've been on the wards on placement mm-hmm. um, chatting to different medical students and different junior doctors you do hear a decent amount about uh, going to different countries uh, to to practice as a doctor whether it's uh, applying to the specialty training program, like train, uh, going to train as a surgeon in the US, for instance, mm-hmm. um, and and going through the full training pathway there, or doing all your training in the UK and then trying to become the equivalent of a consultant, um, you know, a fully qualified senior doctor um, over uh, in another country, um, mm-hmm. or or uh, what were the other kind of instances? I think I think those are probably. Those are probably the main ones, either going to actually train or going as or going after you've been fully trained in the UK. Um, and whether that's wanting to go over there for the rest of your life or wanting to go over there for a couple of years or going there for, say, a fellowship, which is, you know, once you're already qualified, going mm-hmm. to, say, Australia for the year um, as a UK surgeon to subspecialise in some kind of niche surgical specialty for the year and then come back so that you can then... Uh, to the UK so that you can then practice within that kind of niche surgical specialty within the UK. Um, so there's loads of different reasons uh, from my experience why uh, UK medical students, um, newly qualified doctors or say consultants would would go um, to say the US or whatever else. So what was the, the main reason that's made you interested in, in going to the US? Um, so the main reason... Um that is no longer the main reason. Um, but the main reason that made me start looking into it is that my boyfriend is actually American. Um, okay. So when I mentioned the Argentina trip before, that's where I met him. Um, and so I started looking into it because he lives over there. And, you know, obviously that could potentially be a future option. And I don't want to close myself off to anything. But the more I look into it, it very much, it just seems like the best thing for me um, as a, for me as a student. I think um, my, I aim on going there straight after medical school. So some people do it and then they'll go after like F1 and F2 years. So it's a very, very mm. common one. Um, but I plan on going straight after medical school. And I think there are just certain things that 
I would prefer to be in the US for like certain things like I know my boyfriend has said many times that he can he's at college at the moment um or like university same thing out there but, um <laughs> he'll he'll go skiing before some of his classes in the morning um or he'll go surfing before some of his classes and it's like that kind of life that I really I think I would really like to live I would really like the opportunity to be able to do that kind of thing um and the general lifestyle of a US doctor from what I've heard is I think it's generally more hours per week mm-hmm. but it's a lot more I, I seem to remember hearing that there is a lot more structure to it and you do get kind of set hours of every single day you'll have two hours of teaching um, on like when you're actually working as a doctor um, and there are a few other things that I think just overall I want to have the qualification and I can at least try living out there. And if it gets to, if I'm out there for five years and I absolutely hate it, then I can come back. But I just don't want myself to be completely closed off to that avenue when it does look at the moment a very, very um, opportunistic um, possibility for me. Okay. okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So you're, apart from your your boyfriend being over there, the main kind of reason that's, that's that strengthened your decision of um, thinking about applying to the US um, to 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 become a doctor is is the kind of change in lifestyle um, yeah. and the and the, the kind of change in the the more kind of rigid training structure within mm-hmm. US hospitals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So so then you you're not planning on doing FY one and FY two in the UK, no. Um, currently no my mother is trying to persuade me to stay for a bit longer but I think that's just because she wants to persuade me against going out there okay Um, yeah but currently it's not in the it's in the plans just to finish medical school in year five and go straight out there and start working that summer okay okay and I I suppose this is just a a personal interest Um, with so obviously when you do FY1 and FY2 and for anyone who doesn't know those are the first two foundation years um after you've graduated from medical school where after you've finished your FY2 year um you're then a fully qualified doctor mm-hmm. um and you can then go into whatever specialty training pathway that you want to after that whether it's medicine surgery GP and um, whatever that is uh, you have to do in the UK the F1 and F2 year to become fully qualified as a doctor after medical school and so it's I, I have only kind of heard of people thinking about it after they do F2 because mm-hmm. then they are fully qualified in the UK so if they don't like somewhere like the US then when they come back they they don't have to do those foundation years and they can yeah. just go straight into specialty training. What is it that's going kind to of made you not want to do those those F one and F two years? Um, I think a big part of it is probably just the fact of timing. I think if I know what I want to go into, if I know what speciality I want to go into, then I don't personally see the point in kind of elongating that any longer. When whether I, regardless of whether I go out to the US straight after medical school or after the F1 and F2 years, I'm still going to be starting at the same point. You know, I'd still be mm-hmm. starting at like bottom of the barrel as a US doctor. Um, so obviously, if it gets to the end of medical school and I have absolutely no clue what speciality I want to go into, then I definitely would consider doing the F1 and F2 years. Well, I wouldn't just consider it; I would do the F1 and F2 years. Okay. Um, but for the moment, as long as, you know, I'm relatively set on a speciality that I like, 
um, then I don't really want to be elongating that process and therefore the money that it's going to cost because um, it is a very, the USMLE process and the whole transferring to the States is an extortionately expensive process. Um, sadly, my bank account is not unlimited. Um, I so I wouldn't really want to kind of elongate that any longer than I would necessarily have to. Yeah, okay. That that makes a lot of sense. Do you know what specialty you're interested in at the moment? Um, I have... A multitude of interests currently. Um, I like neurology. Um, I like pediatrics. I like Hobbs and Gynae. And for some reason, over the last few weeks, I've become really interested in oncology. But okay. um, I think it's. I mean, I'm only year two. There is a long time for, for there's a long time for me to go. <laughs> I've only ever had one hospital placement. You know, yeah. I don't want to be a hundred percent set on something and set my mind to it, and then in ten years' time, look back and go, "Oh, I really wish I hadn't done that." Um, so I'm trying to keep my mind open as much as possible. What about Definitely. you? Are you thinking of anywhere at the moment? So I've obviously, I'm fifth year, so I've obviously had, mm. you know, a, a quite a, a lot more time and, and, and experience on awards to kind of think about what exactly I want to do. But I, I know that I definitely want to do surgery. That's mm-hmm. for definite. And initially it was uh, orthopedics. Mm-hmm. But after my placement in ear, nose and throat, uh, that really seemed to sway me um just chatting to all the consultants and, and actually getting into theater uh, mm-hmm. and 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 seeing a lot of the operations I actually really enjoyed it um a lot more than well I didn't really have any expectations but um I think it it really just kind of it, it really just persuaded me so right now I think probably ENT or ear mm-hmm. nose and throat is is probably at the top of my list uh, second to either orthopedics or ophthalmology so mm-hmm. yeah, I think those are the kind of top three at the moment. But very much keeping options open, and you know, always reserve the right to change my mind um, mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff because it's just always evolving. And that's the fun thing, you know, about medicine. Mm-hmm. It's just it's very. I'm very thankful to actually have all those opportunities and and just and just be able to explore them uh, and yeah. and just kind of have fun with it. You know, it's a very, it's is it's just yeah, it's a very nice position to be in, mm-hmm. and yeah, very thankful for that. But yeah, that sounds good. Um, so that's everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, Lucy, do, do you have any closing comments or any kind of advice that, that you want to give to any of the listeners out there who are either in the process of applying to medical school or, or are thinking about applying? Oh, um, I mean, the one thing that I could say that is, I would assume it's relatively obvious to a lot of people, it's not like Grey's Anatomy. It's not It's not like any of the shows that you'll kind of watch. There is a lot of work that is involved in medical school. And I found, especially going from first year to second year, there is a lot to balance. And it is, it is something that I think you're not really prepared for. You get told before you go to medical school, oh, it's a lot of work. But I don't think anyone particularly realises just how much it is. Um, and you know just how intense it can be at times but I think also it isn't mentioned enough that it is extortionately rewarding and I think there's even I mean I find the cool little things like when I first learned about capillary refill and you can do that on yourself and (laughs) feel certain things and it's you know I think it's I think it is a very very rewarding degree to do but just make sure that you know you you do think you can be of the mindset where you can motivate yourself enough to be to keep up with the workload because it can get intense very very quickly definitely Um, that's great thank you so much lucy um for for coming on the show i really appreciate having me on (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, no, it's, it's been really good, and, and you've given some um, some great insight. So I really do appreciate it. Um, so if anyone listening wants to follow Lucy on Instagram, uh, then you can. Her username is medic.bird. I'll put it in the description below, uh, in the podcast description. And yeah, thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you.